On this week's edition of Talking Cinema, I will be having a festive discussion of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, some favorite childhood memories of watching them, and why the movies on my list are perhaps my favorites and may not even be ones that you would expect to be on my list. All this and more on this week's edition of Talking Cinema. And welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Talking Cinema with Christoph Hankerson. And happy December. Yes, regardless of when this episode drops on the various major podcasting platforms that I'm on, it will be December by the time you listen to it. And I cannot believe it has been a crazy year. And I cannot believe that it is already December. I mean, I know, I know a lot now. I know a lot of you that are listening to this are probably already saying to yourselves, you know, I've been listening. Well, what if I've been listening to Christmas music since October? Or what if I've been listening or excuse me, watching Hallmark Christmas movies? First of all, first and foremost, I don't even I know I'm gonna go off on a slight rabbit trail here. I don't know why anyone would watch a Hallmark movie. One, all the plots are pretty much the same, you know, girl. Girls dating this rich guy, and then a guy from like the country comes into town and sweeps her off her feet, and they fall in love, they get married, have kids, and their story. Every single one's the same. I don't know why you girls love watching these Hallmark movies so much. And I just, and I know I realize with that statement, I probably alienated a good amount of the audience. You've already tuned me off, turned me off, but you know what? I don't really care. I think the movies, you know, being the 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 critic that I can be. And a bit of a cynic sometimes about certain types of films and sappy love romantic novels and dramas and all that other garbage. I'm just not. <laughs> those just don't do it for me. I'm I'm really sorry, but they those don't do it for me. But um, yeah, you know it's been. I understand it's been a bit of a rough one for. A lot of you listening, so I hope the hope that this episode will spread some cheer. And you know, regardless of when you start listening to Christmas music, watching Christmas movies, putting up your decorations, whether you did it before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving, you know that's your business. As well as if you decided to leave it up the first few weeks of January, that's your business as well. Um, I was a staunch purist for years of you know putting the decorations up and listening to music the day after Thanksgiving. And I, for the first time in my whole life, I snuck. Yes, this is, I'm going public with this. I broke my purest tradition as far as the music is concerned. I snuck and started listening to Christmas music, I want to say a day or two before Thanksgiving. I know I'm terrible. Some purist I am, but I gave in. It's like everybody else is doing it. It's only a few days. What's a few days going to matter? I'm probably going to go back to my purest ways next year anyways. But I did it. I listened to some Christmas music. And it wasn't all that bad. I listened to the other another great guilty pleasure of mine. But I listened to the Insane Christmas album. I don't care what you think about those guys. That Christmas album that they released in 98 is, is pretty solid. It's to quote a 90s phase. It's the bomb. And it still holds up pretty well today. So anyways, I'd like to throw out a little information for you before we get into this week's episode. And that's this. 
So we're I'm only going to be recording a few more weeks here. So that means you will only be getting three more episodes, I repeat, including this week's episode, whenever you get to listen to this week's episode. I'll record another one the next week, and then the week after that, and then I am taking a break. Week of Christmas and New Year's. So you will not hear from me. You got three more episodes, and after that, you will not hear from me until 2021. Yes, even I need a break. From podcasting as much as I love talking about movies with you guys and as much as I love recording the show and you know this being one of the hobbies that I picked up I'm sure all of you listening you've picked up your respective hobbies during quarantine during covid hot podcasting has become one of mine I've been I've been wanting to do one for years I've finally done one and I've stuck with it and I'm just I know I'm being a little vain here, but I'm patting myself on the back for sticking with doing this whole podcasting thing, you know, through talking to other people who have their own podcasts and them saying consistency is the key, you know, don't give up, don't give in. Most people, according to a good friend of mine who runs an awesome podcast, he was telling me most people quit after seven episodes and proud to say we are well into the 20s of our episodes. I believe I checked the numbers today. This is episode number 22. So at the end of the year, there will have been, I will have recorded since May of 2020, we'll have recorded 24 episodes. So starting next year, once we record episode 25, we'll be a quarter of the way to 100. Wow. 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 <laughs> Not that I'm thinking far ahead for like a 100th anniversary celebration or 100th episode celebration, which I might have a personal one. No, might get a cake that says congratulations for creating your 100th episode. But anyways, all that to say, long and short of it, three more episodes of this podcast for the year of 2020. Then I'm taking a few weeks off. You'll hear from me first of the year. But what I really want you to do, I want you to enjoy the time with your families for for Christmas, for New Year's. And I'm going to be doing the same with the extended family that I have as well between the craziness, busyness of work and whatnot, I feel like I need a break myself. So there you have it. And without any further ado, let's start talking. So we're going to talk about my top 10 favorite Christmas movies. And I know sir, when people think Christmas movies, a lot, a lot of different ones come to mind. Um, a lot of people, for a lot of people, you know, it's the Polar Express. Some people love It's a Wonderful Life is their favorite. White Christmas. Others love A Christmas Story, Santa Claus, Miracle on 34th Street. In more recent years, it's been films like Elf and The Grinch. Those have been some of the popular Christmas movies. And even more recently, The Christmas Chronicles, which is an excellent film. I knew coming in, I was like, oh, Kurt Russell's playing Santa Claus. Goldie Hawn's going to his longtime partner is going to be in it as well as his wife, Mrs. Claus. Boy, yeah, I'm definitely watching it. It was so good and so well received by many people around the world, myself included, that it got a sequel, which I am eagerly waiting to check out. I will be checking and I will be checking out very soon. But if you haven't seen Christmas Chronicles, watch it. And if you end up loving it enough, like me, watch the second one. But all I have to say, everybody's got their favorite Christmas movie or movies and holiday specials. You know, I can't leave out the holiday specials like Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Frosty Returns, Nestor the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey that used to come on ABC Family all the time. Not sure if it still does, but I remember catching it every year. Um, more recently, a favorite of mine has been Shrek the Halls. And there's other really good 
DreamWorks specials like uh, Mary Madagascar, they did a Kung Fu Panda one, and a How to Train Your Dragon one as well. So those films have had the Christmas treatment, Christmas special treatment as well. Um, Toy Story That Time for God is another good one. So a lot of, there's a lot of good Christmas specials, a lot of good Christmas movies, plenty of bad ones, plenty of bad ones. The aforementioned and infamous Star Wars holiday special is one that comes to a lot of people's minds, as well as the, for those of us that grew up in the 90s, uh, I don't know why I mentioned this one, but because it's bad, it's so bad, it's not even bad. It's not even good. It's just flat out bad. But the Ninja Turtles had a Chris holiday special, early 90s, awful. And the Power Rangers had a holiday special, Alpha's Magical Christmas. I just want to know, I'm curious, that who thought it would be a good idea to give that annoying talking robot? Yes, who th- I mean, who'd have thunk a robot could, who, who'd have thunk a robot could be more you know, talkative than C-3PO. I'm not going to call C-3PO annoying because I actually like the character, but I think that's what the Power Rangers were going for. Let's just, they were like, hey, let's create our own version of C-3PO, see if he gets popular. And wait, let's take things a step further. Let's give him a holiday special, see how many kids like it. Kids loved it. I probably loved it as a kid, but I watched it as an adult a few years back, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so horrible, so awful. You can clearly see that they were marketing to the three to seven or eight-year-old age demographic, maybe a few years older, but I can't I can't see under anyone under the age of 10 to 12 years old watching Alpha's Magical Christmas or the Ninja Turtle special and actually enjoying it. I mean, you want to talk about a steaming, stinking pile of Bantha fodder, the, look no further than those two specials. I mean, I, I, I mean, I still, for the nostalgia, I still love Power Ranger and I still love Ninja Turtles. I will still watch the movies for those respective franchises, as well as their episodes of the show. But come on. Not a good idea to have made Christmas specials. They could have done better. Anyways, let's get into my top 10 list. So I'm going to try my best to keep this as brief as possible as far as the description of each film. But we're going to start with number 10. Number 10 on my list is... The, the, the... The Grinch! That's right, you guessed it. As much as I love the original cartoon from the 1960s, that was a slightly more faithful to Dr. Seuss's original tale, this version of the story is just as entertaining. I mean, Jim Carrey, pretty much like in every other movie he'd ever been in up until that point, and several that he's done since, he literally put himself into the role. I basically, I, I'm for, I, if I could describe The Grinch... In Jim Carrey's performance, I would describe it this way. It's parts Fire Marshal Bill. If you've ever seen in Living Color, you def- and you watch The Grinch, you'd see the Fire Marshal Bill. You know, that, like, hey, show you something. And he's really to blow himself up or blow other those other else up, blow people up. No, it's parts Fire Marshal Bill, um, parts uh, Ace Ventura. You know, it's. I feel like it's a combination of those two. And, the Mask. So you put those three characters, Fire Marshal Bill, The Mask, and Ace Ventura, morph them together, and what have you got? You've got Jim Carrey's version of The Grinch, which has endeared itself to audiences over the last several years. I can't believe the movie's 20 years old. I distinctly remember when it first came out. I do not think I saw this one in theaters. I do not, I don't think I saw this version of the Grinch until about a year or so later when it came out on home video and DVD, rented it, ended up loving it so much, asked for it for Christmas, got it as a Christmas gift, 
And the rest, as they say, is history. You know, I need to go out and find a. Now I need to go out. And, <laughs> I mean, I know I, I do shop at Goodwill and thrift stores for VHS tapes, but I'll find it any which way I can. If I find it at Goodwill first, so be it. If I find it at Walmart or any other store that, you know, still sells DVDs and Blu-rays, even though streaming has be become even more of the go-to than having hard copies. There are still cinema, cine, cinema geeks and cinephiles like myself who love to have our hard copies. And The Grinch is one that I'd like to have. But Jim Carrey really sold this performance for me. Had someone else been in the role of The Grinch, it probably would not have been as good. Had say, I mean, I love Adam Sandler, but if Adam Sandler or, you know, Rob Schneider, trying to think of all the other successful comedians of that of that time period. Tim Allen even, you know, if any of those guys had taken on the role of Grinch, it probably wouldn't have been nearly as entertaining. It's just one of those roles you look at it and you see Jim Carrey's performance in it and you think no one else could have played that. He was literally perfect. It's like he was born to play the role and he nailed it. Um, and just so many great moments, so many great quotes. It It's, it's a wonderful movie. And I feel like most of you in the audience have seen it. Uh, for those of you that are living under a rock and have not seen it, I highly recommend it. I know there are some of my fans out there that aren't fans. Some of the people that listen to the podcast that are not fans of the 2000 Grinch. And you know what? That's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. Just as those of us who love the Grinch and love the quote all the time, we're entitled to our opinions. We think it's a great movie. If you think it sucks, you know, I'm not going to say that's your problem. I'm just going to go ahead and say that's your opinion. You can have it. We'll have ours. We'll be adults and agree to disagree on that one. But Jim Carrey definitely steals a show in The Grinch. Highly recommended. Next on my list, it's Turbo Time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be pretty much, I'm probably going to be doing some uh, fun intros for all these films because it's Christmas time. It's festive. Tis the season to be jolly. Jingle all the way. The 1996 Holiday film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, the late Phil Hartman, Gilbert Gottfried, Jim Belushi as a mall Santa that's really a con artist. Um, and we also got a good look. We got a first look. Little did we know, we got a first look at Jake Lloyd in this movie. Three years before he played Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. And as his son, he asks his dad for a Turbo Man action figure. And I think that's just something that all of us can re really relate to. Like, what one of us, whether you be a, a guy listening to this podcast or a girl listening to this podcast, that is if I didn't scare off all the girls <laughs> with my comments about Hallmark movies, but regardless of who you are, we all remember what it was like as kids asking for a hard-to-find toy, or whether it was hard to find or not, we all remember what it was like asking for a toy that we saw on television, you know, asking our parents to go out and get it for us. And for the most part, they ended up, they would end up doing the right thing, doing the smart thing. Obviously, in this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't quite get the program. On Christmas Eve, of all days, of all days of the year for you to do your shopping, he picked Christmas Eve to go out and get the hottest selling action figure of that season in that particular film, which was Turbo Man. And boy, did chaos and a long line of comedy errors ensue. I mean, the, I, the, I loved all the interactions that Arnold and Sinbad, who is just downright hilarious. He was funny then. He's still funny now. He didn't, I mean, 
But Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad just really, I think their interactions definitely balance each other out. You know, Arnold not being quite a comedian, but has funny moments. And Sinbad being nothing more than a straight comic who loves to talk trash. <laughs> they created some really hilarious moments. And then I, in one of my personal favorite scenes of the movie, was where Arnold goes to, you know, he's so desperate to find the toy that Jim Belushi, <laughs> whom... Is very who, who's a very underrated comedian, but Jim Belushi uh, <laughs> plays a card on his Santa, and they end up, you know, he ends up finding out, and you know, just this mayhem and chaos ensue in that scene. And you know, I thought it was cool as a wrestling fan that before he was the Big Show, he was known as Paul the Giant White. This was during his time at WCW, but the Big Show was actually in this movie. <laughs> And when Arnold hits him, you know, it doesn't phase him at all. He just says, I'm going to deck your halls, but I was just like, man, as a fan, I'm like, man, big show. Why didn't you choke slam him? But, you know, I, I love the movie. I think it's very entertaining. Like I said, we can all relate to it. Whatever toy it was for me, it was probably you know, something, anything Power Rangers, Star Wars, wrestling. You know how guys are. But whatever it is, you know, I was always asking for the latest and greatest over Christmas. And I think I eventually got it. But thankfully... Like I said, my parents didn't wait till the last minute, but Jingle All the Way, highly recommend. If you've never seen it, it's hilarious. Number eight on my list, Elf. Santa, I know him. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure all of you are familiar with this one, but this one has Will Ferrell, Zoe Deschanel, in one of her earliest roles. Um, and his father was played by the legendary comedian, Mr. Bob Newhart himself, his elf father. But his, one day, Buddy the Elf, who's living in the North Pole his whole life, finds out that he has a long-lost father that actually lives in New York City. So what does he do? He goes on a journey from the North Pole to New York, and hilarity ensues. This is probably one of Will Ferrell's funnier roles. I mean, I'm not... I'm a... Will Ferrell has his movies, honestly, I have to say, they've been hit or miss. I personally think his stuff, his work on SNL was a lot funnier, especially the Spartan Cheerleader skit. But does a fine job in Elf a lot. And I think Step Brothers is probably his best movie, but Elf would be a probably a close second on my on my list. I mean, the Santa the Santa gig, the Santa bit, and the part where he's like, you know, smiling's my favorite. And he's like, work. That's your new favorite. Let, let that be your favorite food. Now, for all of you that have seen the movie Friday, which I know that's a very limited audience listening to my podcast, but that store owner was none other than Big Worm himself. <laughs> it's like, wow, Big Worm moving up in the world. He stopped, he stopped selling drugs and he started, you know, he moved up in the world, became a manager of a retail chain. But anyways, Elf is just another one of those great movies that, you know, Really, it's a, it's a modern Christmas classic. I say modern because it's come out in the last 15 to 17 years. I believe it came out in 2002, 2003. But it's really, you know, it, it's, one that, it's one that people quote. I mean, if you have not seen Elf, all I have to say is this. And I think anybody who has seen the movie and loves the movie and watches it every year will agree with me on this. You're cotton-headed in any muggins. That's right. I said it. On my show, if you have not seen Elf, you're a cotton-headed nitty muggins. If you've seen Elf and you don't like it, you think it's stupid, you're a cotton-headed nitty muggins. So there you go. Next up on my list, number seven, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the 1989 
film, which is a follow-up to National Lampoon's Vacation, National Lampoon's European Vacation, starring SNL alum, Mr. Chevy Chase himself, reprising his role as Clark Giswold. Instead of going to Wally World or Europe and wreaking havoc, he decides to spend the holidays in Chicago, and you guessed it, chaos ensues when they invite their crazy hillbilly cousins, and... (laughs) It's not so much Chevy Chase, even though he had some really great one-liners, including his infamous profanity least tirade that he has in the film. But it's really Cousin Eddie, who's probably Randy Quaid's best role to date. Randy Quaid has played some great roles, but that is his best role to date. And I'm thinking of specifically one scene that the movie's known for is this. It's it's plastered on t-shirts, mugs, pants. You got it. Merry Christmas, Crapper was full, and I'm not going to curse on my show, that's why I paraphrased it. But those of you who have seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But anyways, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, wonderful film, highly recommend it. And yeah, go out there and watch it if you haven't. Okay, so moving right along, we're, we're almost done with the top ten, or almost done with the bottom five. Muppet Christmas Carol is the 1992 holiday take on the classic Charles Dickens story. And this film, you know, it's just one of, it's just one of those movies where the main actor steals the show. And yes, it's about the Muppets. And yes, the Muppets made me laugh. And they still make me laugh as an adult at their antics in this movie. But I have to say, aside from all the gags of the Muppets and all the jokes and all the fun that, you know, Gonzo, Kermit, Rizzo, Miss Piggy, Fozzy Bear, All Give, and all the other friends. Michael Caine's performance as Ebenezer Scrooge is probably the definitive Ebenezer Scrooge. And I know that's been debated back and forth. I know there's a lot of people out there who personally think that George C. Scott's version of Ebenezer Scrooge was the best. But I love Michael Caine. I mean, he just gave a masterpiece theater-like performance. I... I mean, he literally, every single scene that he was in, he literally chewed up the scenery. That's when you know an actor is slaying a role and is doing a wonderful job at what he's doing is when he chews up the scenery. Like, And when each and every time he comes on the screen, you as the audience member, like he's demanding you to pay attention to him and what he's doing, regardless of what antics the Muppets are up to. We know they're going to make us laugh, but... Anyways, this movie alone, like I said, aside from the humor and the songs, it is worth watching every year. And it is a classic because of the performance that Michael Caine gives. Had he not played Ebenezer Scrooge, sure, they could have found another actor to play him. There's probably some other great British actor that could have played him. You know, Patrick Stewart, Alan Rickman, Ian McKellen. Those are three that come to mind. But Michael Caine was the best choice, in my opinion. So we're going to go with Michael Caine on this one. All right, so I'm just going to, my my four and five choices, I'm just going to morph them together, but since they're, since they're all one movie, but Home Alone 1 and 2, Home Alone 2 being number five, Home Alone being number four, I think you all pretty much know the synopsis of this one, so I'm not going to go over that, but I mean, it doesn't get, I mean, it really doesn't get any more classic than Home Alone, which the original is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, I mean... How is it? I was just thinking about this the other day. How is it? I mean, we got two great movies of this, but how is it that one family can afford to take two expensive vacations two years in a row, but still somehow, some way, leave their kid at home? Then eventually he gets lost in New York in the second movie. 
And another thing that I was thinking about, how is it, I mean, how did little Kevin McAllister in the second movie find his way around New York City? Why would a little kid, even in broad daylight, be walking around New York City, touring the Empire State Building, walking on the Twin Towers, which that's an emotional scene for me. It's like little Kevin McAllister walked on the Twin Towers almost a decade before they went down. But anyways, yeah, it's like, you know, how is he doing that? You know, how, how, how did someone not like mug him? It's New York City. It's the city that never sleeps. One of the highest crime rates in the country. Come on. Realistically, a 10-year-old kid, because I think he was 10 in the second movie, wouldn't have lasted that long <laughs> on the mean streets of New York City by himself. Neither would he have allowed, been allowed to check in the Plaza Hotel by himself, which our commander-in-chief made, made a cameo in. He told Kevin, you know, when he asked him, where's the lobby? Like, down the hall, to the left. Thanks. But, yeah, the Home Alones, once again, you know, classic Christmas films, lots of good one-liners. And, I mean, the booby traps in both films. If you, What kid watching that movie in the 90s and even today isn't thinking to themselves, man, I wish my parents would leave me home alone. I could have so much fun. Or if... They did leave me home alone and someone tried to invade my house. I love to like plant booby traps around it. I'm guilty. I had those thoughts as a kid watching that movie. Thankfully, I lived in a pretty safe neighborhood growing up where none of that would happen. But Home Alone 1 and 2, excellent movies. I highly recommend them. So my number three choice is The Nightmare Before Christmas. However, since I just did an entire episode on it, I'm going to move right on to my top two films. So number two on my list is the Tim Allen classic, the original, The Santa Claus. And a fun fact for those of you that weren't aware of this, in 1994, Tim Allen became the first actor in history to have the number one television show on television, which at that point in time was Home Improvement, the number one best-selling book, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man, very colorful book. I've read it just because I'm a huge Tim Allen fan. It's more of a guy thing. Girls, don't pick it up. Stick with Tim Allen and his other works. And if you're a prude, don't, don't read the book because it gets very colorful. It's almost like the two stand-up specials he did, Rewires America and Men Are Pigs, which I've seen and are hilarious, but they're more akin to those and less like Home Improvement and The Santa Claus. And the movie that we're talking about was also the number one movie at the box office on its opening weekend, The Santa Claus. And basically Tim Allen plays Scott Calvin, who's an estranged father that tries to, you know, still be somewhat of a dad in his son's life, even though him and his wife have divorced. And you know, it's just aside from Tim Allen's trademark humor, which made home improvement a success, you know, his likability and even at points in time in this movie, his range as an actor is even displayed. I, I was literally just watching the movie the other night and I was kind of taken aback at the scene towards the end of the movie where, you know, his son is really sad. He thinks he's being selfish and wanting his dad to spend Christmas with him. But it's like all these kids around the world are counting on Santa. And then he reminds him, you know, you made me be Santa. You, you are literally the least selfish person. That, and I just like, I'm like, wow, this is this is much different than Tim the Toolman Taylor who was always cracking jokes all the time and they have the occasional serious episode. I mean, we're really seeing his range as an actor in that in that particular scene. And I really wish Tim did more serious stuff instead of his straight comedy, even though I love him for his comedy. But Santa Claus, can't say enough about it. If I could, 
I would dedicate a whole episode to it. But yeah, Santa Claus is number two. And for my top favorite Christmas movie of all time, and try to keep this as brief as possible as well. No way, kid, you'll shoot your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. Or it's a major award. Regile must be Italian. You guessed it, my all-time favorite Christmas movie. It gets played every year, every year since the late 90s on TBS and or TNT for 24 hours straight. It's a Christmas story, my friends, a Christmas story. It's my favorite. I feel like it's the most relatable. I mean, what boy growing up didn't want a Red Ryder BB gun, whether it was before this movie or after this movie? The movie set in the 1940s, and even though the movie came out in 1983, I believe. But regardless, before then or after, every kid is always fantasized about having a BB gun, but we've all... Whether it was your parents or your friends' parents, there's always been parents that have been like, no way, you'll shoot your eye out, or you'll shoot somebody, or you'll hurt yourself. And, but yeah, this, I I just can't tell you how much I love this movie. But again, like, like the Santa Claus, I could probably spend an entire episode on it, but it's, that's just wonderful. The comedy's there. I mean, late great Darren McGavin gave some pretty, you know, pretty good gags in here and obviously I did did some of the quotes you know you know it's a pink he's a pink nightmare you know Ralphie and the, and the pink onesie that his grandma gave him and whatnot but you know or the the the, the classic and who who can forget the, the the getting the tongue stuck to the pole <laughs> those are the things that make the movie great and you know if you haven't seen a Christmas story it'll be on 24 hours on TBS and or TNT I encourage you to check it out and we're going to take a short break, but we'll be back to close things out after this. That's all the time we have for our show this week. Uh, until next time, for Talking Cinema, this is your host, Christoph Hankerson, saying goodbye and have a Merry Christmas.